Hello and thank you for listening to episode 419 of 60MW. I'm Dave and this is another of our interview shows. And in this one I chat with Ross McCall, the writer and director of A Violent Man, which has just opened up in UK and Irish cinemas. So when you've listened to this chat, hopefully it would have piqued your interest and you can pop out to the cinema and watch the film. Now Ross, he's an accomplished actor and if you've already read the podcast notes, You'll know a couple of the little tangents that I often go off on when I have a chat to people whose work that I really love. If you haven't read the podcast notes, well then you're in for a couple of little surprises about Ross's acting career, going back to a very early one when he was just 13 years old. So, without any further ado, let's move on to me having a chat with Ross McCall. Ross, thank you. Thank you for joining me, for having a chat with me and... I can see you on video as well. I wasn't expecting that, so that's a nice surprise too. So thank you. I, I like to put on the video just to surprise people, give them a, a you know a shock to the system. You know, here we're in <laughs> face to face. There's no hiding. <laughs> it does, it makes it a bit more personable when you can see people as well. Of course it does. Yeah. Of course it does. Yeah. No. Although now I feel I feel like slightly left out. You've got a huge. You've got a kit. You've got a microphone. You've got a headset on. I mean, I sort of feel like you know. I'm sort of lounging in my in my library chair. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, we're here, obviously. We're here. We want to talk about a violent man, which is coming out. Well, not too far from now. It's next month. It's coming out in cinemas over here in the UK in February. It, it, co- it comes out sooner than that, my friend. It comes out. Uh, we've got a couple of days left. I think it's February fourth. You know, I've done this. We say it's February the second, and the amount of times already, Ross, I forgot we're in February. You think we're in January still? I know I, I do that. It's 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 still this COVID hangover, isn't it? It's still, yeah, we we release on Friday. We've got a little uh, a little Q and A screening tomorrow night. Uh, my days are off. I'm in LA right now, so I'm flying in uh, tonight. I fly land tomorrow, so I think it's tomorrow night. We have like a Q and A over at the Genesis Theatre in London. Nice. Um, and then uh, and then yeah, we go full throttle Friday. Oh, brilliant. Right. We'll, we'll get into that in just a little bit, but I can't have you on the show. I'm not touching on a few things. I could speak to you all night just about your acting career, Ross, because there's so no, much sorry. There's so much on there that I'd love to talk to you about. Maybe talk about the bill, the borrowers. Oh, you know, yeah. Uh... Brit- Britass Empire. Come on. <laughs> I mean, the classics. The classics from when Ross was 13. This, yeah. this is it. I mean, let, let's start with there because, of course, and I know you'd have been asked this loads of times, but for the sake of our listenership, um, hmm. I, I was lucky enough to see Queen back in 86 on the Magic Tour. Oh, wow. And they're in, absolutely incredible. Always loved the band. And to see them live was brilliant. But for our, our listeners who may not be aware, can you explain that why I am now also, I can say I'm talking to Freddie Mercury? Well, I believe, uh, I'm sure somebody will try and prove me wrong at some point, but I believe I was the first actor to play Freddie. Um, I was... 13 i believe and it was their uh it was their mtv video when when there was such a thing as mtv videos i guess now it'd be like a youtube music video um but uh it was part of their album the miracle and it was uh freddie's idea to have four kids play the band but play the band dressed up like the band so it was you know full-on mustache full-on marilyn monroe t-shirt full-on you know, um, Harlequin outfit, leather gear. I mean, you know, very questionable for a young lad to be walking around in that, to be honest. You know, I'm not sure what my parents were thinking. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, so we ended up doing the video, and it was a, a massive hit in the UK and sort of worldwide now. Um, and I don't think there's a set that I go on, even now, a good thirty odd years later, where that music doesn't appear from like the sound car <laughs> as we're in between takes, and I'm like, somebody's been googling Ross, yeah. And uh, and they'll play that that video, which I'm extremely proud of. If I'm honest, you know, I, I think I I dealt with the the pain and embarrassment as a kid, um, and now as an adult, I look back and think, what an honour. So yeah. yeah, I played Freddie, and it was a, it was a blast. You're awesome in it. I rewatched it this morning, <laughs> knowing that I'm going to chat with you this evening, and yeah. you really are awesome. And if you just you know, you only have to read through the YouTube comments, and I think it got like over 30 million views now. Yeah, it's a lot of people watch that, and you know, again, which is questionable. Um, but I sort of, I, uh, I, I understand the uh, the pull of Queen. I mean, they're just, mm. you know, arguably one of the greatest rock bands ever. Um, and to be around them, I, I mean, I've got very fond memories of of being around the band. Um, and I remember really, I mean, obviously, everyone was in awe of Freddie because he was such a showman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember me being just an impressionable kid really liking Brian. Brian May was such a sweet guy. Like he was so friendly towards us. They all were, but I mean, I remember Brian being, you know, particularly, you know, and making sure everybody was, was cool and and having fun. Um, But I actually remember me really liking Roger because he wore sunglasses indoors. (laughs) And I just thought this guy, he's got it right. He's the one, he's the one that gets all the girls. Um, obviously <laughs> and uh and uh yeah it was uh it was uh, it was a joy yeah fun memories oh yeah i so say your performance is is incredible in it and uh i mean did it ever make you then was it put in your head yeah i want to be a rock star i think uh, you know we talk about it's the way a, a lot of a lot of footballers want to be like actors and a lot yeah. of rock stars want to be movie stars and all oh, actors we all want to be rock stars yeah uh, you know, I can I can't think of anything better than being Chris Martin. You know, sitting at a piano, you know, rocking out. I mean, I I certainly think I'm the fifth Beatle for sure. <laughs> I have it in my head that I could absolutely go jam with with the gang. Um, so it it did, and you know, there was a very small window where they were talking about us going on tour with them as when we were kids. Us going on tour with with Queen and coming out and doing a few numbers. Um, obviously lip syncing because it's it's the band singing yeah, yeah. You know? uh there was talk of that and i think that's when freddie was was starting to publicly be ill you know so i think his strength was sort of gone down down the tubes a little bit um and so there was a very quick conversation about us going on tour which sounded really cool yeah uh, and it transpired oh that, that was sort of a build-up of a story that just dropped. Yeah, but even, you know, even though that didn't happen, the fact of what you actually did is just so incredible. And like you say now, to look back as an adult and go, you know, just to cherish yeah, that. Yeah, and, and also that a lot of my, my own training as an actor, I mean, that was like the first time I really, really researched, you know, so I did my homework. You know, a lot of people, I guess, presume quite quite normally that we learn lines, show up, put on a bit of makeup and hit a mark, you know, but um, there is a little more that goes into what we do yeah. for a career. And a lot of that begins with the research, you know? So, I mean, I, I studied, I studied my socks off for that job, um, you know, hours upon hours of videotapes. And again, not because, 
you know, oh, great, I'm watching video. I mean, I, I was studying because I, I wanted the gig. I, you know, I think they, they auditioned thousands of kids for it yeah. and kept whittling it down. And so by about my fourth audition, I started getting a sniff that, you know, this, this could possibly swing my way. And then they started having me rehearse with the band. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't see many other kids here. You know, this, yeah. this is me rocking out with Brian and John and Roger. And I was like, this could be, this could be tasty. So, um, I really took my work seriously. And yeah, I mean, they, the, the studio sent me boxes upon boxes of footage and I would just watch it. And, um, I do remember a broom handle being my microphone. Uh, <laughs> That was my uh, my prop in my garage as a young man. I was running around with a broom handle pretending nice. I was singing. Because <laughs> it, it that that focus that you got comes across in the making of because it's the making of the video as well. So of course they're interviewing you, thirteen year old you, and you can tell then you know you've got your head screwed on and you really you know like you said you're studying the part and you're taking it serious. It was you know it wasn't quite obviously it wasn't just a laugh to you. You really were yeah focused. you know and I think I think a lot of that just is whether that's just. Uh, random way that you're born genetically you know where you just know what you're doing and you're into it i guess you know my parents were sort of so nonchalant about it was very helpful you know so i never had like stagey parents you know I come from a working class family dad's a firefighter mm. and mom was a nurse you know so it was all very my brother was playing football you know so it was never like this uh big fanfare so you know i'd, I'd be on the front page of all the tabloids and all, all the newspapers in the country, you know, and it, you know, it was never, uh, I never floated around thinking that was this big, wonderful newfound thing. You know, to me, it was, it was a gig, it was a job and, you know, I understood it yeah. and that, that served me well, I think. I think so. Definitely. I mean, jumping forward, obviously, you know, I've just cherry picked a couple, like I said at the beginning, you know, I could talk to you for ages about lots of stuff that you've, you've been in and the roles that you've played. Obviously, it's Band of Brothers. I'm sure this has been brought up so many times, such a huge show. I remember watching it and then when it got a physical release, I remember buying it on DVD and it came out in this special tin box set. And I remember buying it on that and then re-watching it on that. I mean, what an experience that must have been for you. I mean, it's a hell of an experience as a viewer just to watch it. But to, to be in that, the people you're with, both in front of and behind the camera, must have been an experience, a good learning experience maybe for you as well, wasn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, you're working with the best of the best. I mean, there's, there's nobody bigger than, than Stephen and Tom. Mm. And uh, to, to go and be a part of their, um, their vision was just a dream come true, you know. Um, I always had a hunch early on that the show was going to be as big as it was. Mm. Um and it's still arguably one of the biggest TV shows ever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, I get stopped in airports all around the land, yeah, especially bad. in America, the yeah. band, um, you know, with people that are just um, so beautifully affected by it. It's, ne it's never fandom, you know, it's never, um, oh my God, you know, it's, it's never about signing. It's never, it, they're so caught up in the show's legacy mm -hmm. and so caught up with, their own reasons for watching it with their grandfather or, yeah. or watching it with their dad or their uncle or whomever, you know, was in the military at that time and never talked about it. This sort of opened up that conversation within families. And so um, it's more about what I mean by it's not fandom. It's, it's more sort of like in awe of the show. Yeah. So 
the people that just come up just want to, you know, oh my God, I want to tell you, uh, you know, I watch yeah. it every Christmas for my, my father and it bonds us and it's like, and it's really emotional, you know, so it's lovely to, to have been a part of something that, that affects people on a level above entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, it affects people in, cause other movies I do, you know, people want a picture or a signature yeah, yeah. or, you know, hang out or a high five or whatever it is yeah. with bands, just this real purity of, um, of, because it's about the real men. It's not yeah. about the actors. Yeah. It's about yeah. the real guys, you know? And so that's, that's, that's what's lovely about it. Yeah. I think it did. It had a real emotional hit on viewers. Yeah. I, know it, I know it did on me watching it. It's like, whoa, you know, it's one of those things you finish watching it and you've just got to take a moment afterwards just to let it all sink in and recover from watching it, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. And if thinking back to that, what is the one abiding memory from, from working on that that leaps to mind whenever, you know, people like me ask you questions about it is the one that you immediately jump to say that day or that moment i mean there's there's a million and and, and i really mean that and i don't mean that uh, i'm not being flippant when i say that there's you know it was such an incredible experience creatively but also you know I mean, I've, I've got eight people that i would say are as close to me as family from that show mm. you know maybe more but you know essentially there's, there's probably eight of us that communicate if not daily than weekly. Yeah. Um, and so there's a real brotherhood that, that was bonded during that show between certain fractions of it. Um, so creatively there's a million personally, there's, you know, those, those bonds that come to mind, but you know, my, my memories of band are really about just doing the grunt work. You know, it's about the cold days, the wet days, when the sun came out, how great we felt. But it was the the embodiment of the real men we were playing, which can sound so fickle, you know, and and sort of kind of ludicrous to to an outsider, and I understand that. But we really became easy company. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I lived in in Leadgott's boots for two years of my life. He's a huge part of my life. Yeah. Um, not on a daily basis, but, you know, for sure it's like, you know, nobody called me anything else but Lieb for two years. Wow. You know, they didn't call anybody else their names. It was always the, the real men we were portraying. And yeah. to be able to have that uh, that legacy on our shoulders was a heavy weight, but also something we were really, really proud to uh, be able to, to carry. So, um, so, so my memory is probably that, you know what I mean? It's just that. Yeah. I was a soldier in Easy Company for two years of my life. Well, I'm sure I speak for everybody that's watched it. You know, fantastic job by you and everyone involved. It's, you. you know, even all these years later, it, it still affects people. It holds so up, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. It really, it really, really does. But let's move on to present day, A Violent Man. Uh, yes. Directorial debut. Is indeed. How about that? Yeah. What was that like? Uh, interesting. Like, you know, it, it wasn't like this big leap. Um, for me, and again, I, I don't say that nonchalantly. It's, it's, uh, I guess I've, you know, I've, I've been in this business a long, long time and I've been lucky enough to be around the likes of Tom and Steven and Bob Zemeckis and, mm-hmm. um, all these greats, you know, and, and then wonderful TV directors that I've, I've had the chance to work with over the years, you know, Bobby Moresco, Stefan Schwartz, Andy Bookstab, just all these great people that I've, I've been able to, uh, uh, not study. I, I I was never walking around with the intent of I want to direct. Hmm. 
you know, a lot of actors want to make that leap. I really had no intention of doing that. Acting is, is my first love. It's what pays the bills. Um, and, uh, and writing is probably the second, you know, uh, part of, 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 of me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the second film that I wrote that got produced. My first one about us, uh, just got released in the UK last week as well. Um, and they're just polar opposites in, in sense of, of story. One's about self love and one's about self hate, you know, so they're complete polar opposites. Um, but the reason I, I lent into directing this was I realized early on that to allow somebody else to take that reign would have been slightly problematic in, in a sense of, I, I would have a big voice and, um, and it got to the point where myself and the producers sort of said, maybe I should just do this <laughs> because <laughs> I think if I'm on set and somebody else is coming up with various compositions or, or ideas or whatever, I would, I'd be a thorn in their side, you know? And so I decided to uh, make my mark and say, okay, let's do it. But I didn't, I didn't fret it. You know, I, I didn't fear it. Um, people have asked me, was I nervous going into it? And I really wasn't. I was, I was hugely prepared. I had a wonderful DP, Stefan Kupik, who has shot me on two different movies uh, as an actor. Yeah. And he's my dear friend. Um, but I knew going into this, I would need uh, a solid DP and a solid first AD. Mm. And uh, Mel, our AD, was just, you know, an angel. And every day the three of us would sit down and really map out the day. And uh, I did a lot of homework again um, before we started shooting. Stefan and I were hanging out a lot and getting shot lists together, which obviously changed on the day, but we had an idea of what we were doing. Um, And to most people, you would look at our schedule and say, this is impossible. There's no way you're going to be able to shoot this. I was like, I think we'll be okay. (laughs) And we were. And, um, and I just, I, I knew what the movie was going to look like. And I said to somebody yesterday on one of the other presses, you know, you, you, you take the, the good and the bad, you know, we've had some beautiful reviews. I think we had one sort of rough review, but I look at them both the same. It's wonderful getting great reviews and it's okay getting someone who doesn't, you're not going to please everybody. Exactly. But what yeah. I can do is I can look at that film and go, that's exactly the film I wanted to make. Um, and so that's where I'm elated. I'm super excited about it. I'm super happy with it. Um, it's not what most people will be expecting, um, especially when you see the cast list. You know, um, you, you'll see Craig and you'll see Ulrich and you'll see Zoe and you'll see Stevie and you'll see Fleming and you'll see all these people popping up that you go, I would never have put them all in the same movie mm-hmm. normally. Um, and that was my whole MO going in. I said, if we're going to do this, I really want to bring in my friends that perhaps we wouldn't have been able to get, uh, you know, if I didn't use my friendship card, uh, but also have a crew that's top notch, have a a composer, Austin, who's top notch, have, have everybody implemented in a place to make a film that's going to be really different. Um, and you know, listen, that there will be a crowd that will come and see this expecting one thing and, and hopefully we'll, find something completely different. And on the flip side of that, the people that are probably like, oh, I don't want to watch a prison gangster film. It's not that film. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very different take on, on a subject matter that's very dark and, and, you know, can thump you right in the throat. And so that's what, that's what we're hoping for. 
it's good as well, like you said, because you wrote it. You're in front of the camera. You're behind the, the camera as well. So it mm. helps that, you know, it's your vision, isn't it, going forward? And as well, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, like, the, you know, the AD and the DP, because a lot of time people think, oh, it's, it's the actors and then, of course, the, the director, and then there's nobody else involved in putting the film together. There's, oh, it's a whole team. It's so many pieces to the puzzle. Problem. Listen, I, I, I'll go, you know, without our gaffer. You don't have the, you know, I can say, hey, I need, uh, you know, I, we were joking about it. I said, I, I want to have flares through the Wahoo. I, you know, I love flares on film. And I really, you know, and I would say it in such an uneducated way, in an actor's way, you know, I'd say it in the gaff, I, you know, I, I need to have this and he might leave it with me. And he'd come back and he said, do you want to, you know, what weather are you thinking? I said, well, you know, I want that sort of cold, crisp morning copy. And he would do it, you know, and, and, and then you're, you know, you fellas on the dolly track that are, you know, giving you that slow zoom in. I mean, all of that really is, um, there's a reason there's a whole crew. It's not because we're too busy to do it. It's because everybody has a skill yeah. set. Yeah. Um, I'm makeup artists, you know, I mean, God bless them. But I would ask for ridiculous things and they'll do it and do it beautifully. Yeah. What is it for, again, for everybody listening, that might not know what it's about. You mentioned, you know, prison. What in in a you know a short synopsis of what is a violent man? A violent man is really the telling of of one man, Steve Mackelson, and it's it's a guy that's become institutionalized. Um, what I wanted to stay away from were your typical cliches that we've seen before, um, and I wanted to depict what it would really be like spending time in a cell, pretty much twenty four seven. I mean, you know, obviously the doors were open during the day and stuff, but. Um, what that does to the psyche of a man, but also have some sort of social commentary about what the prison system is and what it does. I've, I've had a weird fascination with prison over the years, you know, knock wood, it's just, you know, a fascination <laughs> that I like documentaries and whatnot. Um, but I've toured prisons while I've been acting in other movies and I've randomly been near somewhere and I'll go in and it's, it's not actually about, uh, me going in to educate prisoners or any of that. It's, it's nothing to do with that. It's to do with the, the actual institution itself and how a lot of prisons have become privatized and how there's money earned, depending on how many prisoners you have in there, which then led me down the path of, you know, how these small time criminals end up having to spend arguably an overextended period of time with hardened criminals and and what that does is it actually about rehabilitation or does it does it make somebody worse mm. you know um because if you're living that life you almost have to defend you have to be alert you probably end up having to go down paths you hope that you would never have to um and it's about survival so the film is really about the the inner turmoil of one man battling with his crimes, but accepting who he is. Mm. Um, and through that acceptance, you know, we have B and C storylines coming in. He has a new cellmate who's, who's way younger than he is, but he sort of reminds him a little bit of himself 20 years previously. Um, he also has a daughter that he's never met. That's reached out to the prison and board asking for a meeting of her father of the first time, which, which happens. Mm, yeah. And, uh, and the prison will always, uh, look after the, the inmate will say, it's up to you. You know, we want you to be comfortable, but we think it's probably a good idea that you should meet one of your victims or somebody who's been victimized by your crimes. 
which his daughter essentially had been. Um, but if the prisoner says no, then that's it. You know, if, if there's no, you know, they're, they're taken care of in that situation. But I wanted to show this, this film of a man who really had to come up with a self-study of who he is and the acceptance of who he is um, and whether or not he wants to involve himself in that outside world in any mm-hmm. way, shape or form. Uh, and I hope that's not giving too much away. I don't think it is. I think I've been ambiguous enough. Um, oh, no, I, I find that fascinating. And I can't wait to watch. I, I taught in a prison for three years. Oh, wow. So I was in, you know, I was in, well, it was in prison for three years, basically. But yeah, sure. I was re- I was really interested when you were saying with, you know, you've got the hardened criminals that are in there and you've got other people that are coming. And sometimes in order to survive, they feel like they've got to raise the game. Oh, that's probably the wrong uh, no, Where's sure you're getting put. You're getting put into a, a junkyard. Yeah. yeah, you know you have to. It's it's a it's a fight for survival. Yeah. And I'm not just talking physically. I mean, you know, that could be mentally. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the challenge of of having a. It, there's a moment in the in the film where um, uh, the the character of Marcus, the young uh, inmate that's newly in prison, and I have his first night when the door shuts. Cause I was just like, you know what, and what would that be like for anybody who's just, you know, tooling around with your, with your buddies and you get into a little bit of a scrape and you end up getting sentenced and you go into the Nick. What is that first night? You know, when that door shuts and you go, I'm, I'm now in this and that doesn't open until they say it opens. And I've also just got a new roommate who I've no idea who he is, what his backstory is if there's mental health issues, if there's violence about to erupt. And so we really stick with him to give him that feeling. And, you know, you hear all the other inmates, you know, the rowdiness in the prison when the lights go down and, and how frightening that must be. And so I sort of wanted to bring the audience into that very uncomfortable place. I laugh because it sounds ludicrous. I want you to spend 90 minutes in a prison cell, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and yeah. as stupid as that sounds, and a lot of people go, I don't want to do that. Um, what it does is it certainly doesn't glamorize it in any way. Mm. In fact, it's the polar opposite, and it'll make you never want to step foot in a place like this yeah. ever. Um, but it was like, could I could I box in an audience for 90 minutes and and have a sense of, of what prison life could be. What challenges did that give you as a director then when you were, you know, when it comes to composition of shots, et cetera? Well, I mean, you box yourself in. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> the, the truth is that the film I wrote before about us was a three-hander and it was all set in Italy. And I was like, could I do a romantic road movie about a relationship with just three characters? Mm. And so that's how I boxed myself in on the first one and, and we pulled it off. And on this one, I said, well, how can I challenge myself here? I know I'll throw us in one room. Now, this isn't the first time this has been done. You know, the room was arguably, you know, two thirds of that movie was all in one room. Buried was another film, you know, uh, where Ryan Reynolds was in the coffin. So it's, it's, it's not a a new thing. Um, But I just felt, and in the script, actually, I had a few exteriors written to give us breathers to get us outside. And, And as I was doing the edit, I was like, I don't want to leave this place. Like I think we have to stay. So the camera never leaves a cell apart from, you know, close to the end of this one moment, they're just out. Uh, But the camera doesn't leave the door frame. And, and so the challenge for my DP and and myself was my whole MO was we don't repeat a shot. Mm -hmm. So however we get away with this, we don't repeat a shot. And so we had to be, 
clever, um, not clever, tooting our own horn, but we, we had to be um, industrious, let's say. We had to be creative uh, without going to extremes. You know, it's not like, you know, you know, when yeah, we're not flying yeah. all around, we still wanted to keep it real. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I, I believe we got away with it. Oh, great. Again, yeah, you're just piquing my interest even more. I am really looking forward to watching it. And in, in a strange, you know, there's six degrees of separation. Last year, I recorded a show with Jason Fleming. Lovely mm-hmm. guy. Lovely, lovely Very guy. I found, yeah. I found out about an hour before we started talking that on... Then he works in the prison world. Is that where you go? <laughs> no. On, on, on Monday, I'm recording a show with Craig Fairbrass about a different movie that he's in. Mm-hmm. Can I surprise him? with a question from you when I chat with him on Monday. Oh, you put me on the spot. Yeah, I would, I would, what, what we have to him? think about what question, what, what could I say? What can you say? Um, I'm surprised. <laughs> you, you, could, you could ask him, uh, how intimidated were you with Ross McCall's hair? Not done. <laughs> <laughs> you know Honestly, that's, uh, that's a bigger question. I'll email you privately maybe if I come right. up with something good, because otherwise I'm going to, you know, give you a crap question and, <laughs> Yeah, these yeah. things can go south very quickly because you'll be like, "What? Well, that's a stupid question," and all of a sudden we've lost two minutes. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Well, listen, Ross, thank you for your time, and, and well, you've got you've got a flight coming up as well, so you're going to be all of this. I hope everything goes fine. Everybody enjoys the movie. Like I said, I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, yeah, and it, hopefully again, maybe towards the end of the year, we can have a chat and talk more about your acting career. That. That would be really I'd good. I'd love that. And thank you so much for, for your time. And, uh, you know, I really, I really do appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Ross. And for the sake of the edit, we shall say goodbye. Thank you. And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. And as I said at the beginning, if you've enjoyed this chat that I had with Ross, you can pop out to your local cinema and go and watch A Violent Man. Now, this show, I'm releasing it on Monday, the 7th of February same day that I'm going to record an interview show with Craig Fairbrass. Not about a violent man, but about a different film that he's in. So if you've enjoyed this interview show, get ready for that one because that will be released very soon. There are plenty of other interview shows that I've done on our website. Just go to 60mw.co.uk, numerical 60, not alphabetical. There's all the other format shows that we do on there too, so take your pick. Have a look around. I always describe us as an audio buffet. You pick and choose what you want and then just consume them as and when you want. None of them are really time sensitive. So just go and have a have a listen to what you haven't heard already. This show is also available on our YouTube channel. So if you would like to watch me and Ross have a chat, go across to there. Subscribe to us while you're there too. That always helps. And we shall be back very soon with one of our many format shows. So thank you again for taking the time to listen. And we will be back very soon. <laughs>